you have a choice between what you have and what you want, that creative tension. Either you go for it, you let that pull you toward the goal, and you deal with the obstacles along the way. Or you give up on your dreams and you stay, you know, comfortable maybe. But uh, I always remember the line of Rumi, the, the Persian poet. He says, safety is the ultimate danger. From Deergo Collective, this is Responsibly Different. Sharing stories of certified B corporations and our journey of joining them in leveraging business as a force for good. In this episode, I sat down with Joe Lauer, the founder of Maple Mama Beverage Company and co-founder of Seed Systems, a business consulting firm. Both endeavors are certified B Corps, and it's through the B Corp community that I actually met Joe. Joe was a volunteer last year and again this year supporting the content committee of the New England Build, short for B Corp Leadership Development Conference. Joe carries wisdom and insights that leave me inspired and in awe with almost every interaction we have, which is why I couldn't wait to get him on the show. We start out talking about Maple Mama and his consulting business, and then we progress into the importance and value of dreaming, creative tension, and the power of passion to move you through it all. I do want to warn you, we ran into some audio challenges while producing this episode, so please don't let that dissuade you from listening to our entire conversation. Joe's perspective on life, business, and growth will definitely leave you inspired. Can you share this a little bit about how Maple Mama came about? Yeah. I have twins who are now 20, but when they were little kids, they wanted something sweet to drink like many kids do. I happened to be a maple sugarer as a hobby, a hobbyist, and so I would take a little of our homemade maple syrup and mix it with a little sparkling water, just a little bit, and say, here you go, here's a nice maple soda you can't get anywhere else. And the kids thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then we would put a little lemon in or a little lime, vanilla, cranberry. We played with different things. And then the kids, of course, learned how to make them, but then they got a little older, and they'd make them for all their friends. And everybody loved them. And then one day they set up a quote-unquote lemonade stand out on the town green during the annual annual town festival and selling what they called Sam and Maya's famous maple spritzers and making money hand over fist, people lining up six and seven deep, not only because of the cute kids, that was part of the marketing, but also because they liked the taste. So we thought, gee, maybe there's a business here. And uh, I'd been a business consultant for 20 years. And I always wanted to start my own business, a real nitty-gritty manufacturing, making stuff, uh, and uh, and apply everything that I worked with my clients on to my own business. So that's how Maple Mama got started. We knew that there was a 99% chance of failure, that beverage is very tough, but um, we wanted to do it, and we wanted it to reflect who we were. So we set out to make an all-organic product, fair trade were applicable, non-GMO, we pioneered a new thing called eco-kosher, so it's kosher, but it also meets environmental and social uh, uh, considerations. And uh, and we became a B Corp, and we pay our people a living wage. Everybody starts at twenty bucks an hour or up, and uh, and we laid off nobody during COVID. So I'm very proud of what we've done because we created a a company and a product that reflects our our personal values. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you've been a certified B Corp. 
since 2018. I'm curious, how did you hear about the certification and, and what made it important to you to pursue? Well, I, I was familiar with B Corp almost since the beginning. One of our friends, dear friend of ours, was one of the very first employees at B Corp. And uh, so this is back in 2008, you know, I was uh, uh, learning about B Corp. And um, our consulting firm became a B Corp. I forget what year it was, but, but we were already a B Corp as a consultant firm. But, of course, that's easy. We have solar panels on the house, so our electricity is solar. Uh, you know, we recycle everything. You know, a, a small consulting operation doesn't have much of a footprint. Uh, but that's why. So when, when we started Maple Mama's, like, okay, this is going to be a B Corp. Uh, not only for having the badge and the bragging rights, but I love the assessment that the B Corp does. It really is rigorous, and you've got to think about stuff you've never thought of before. And so uh, it's almost like the assessment is like a, a harsh, strict teacher that's going to help you to get it right. And uh, I really, uh, really appreciate that. So we were we were going to be a B Corp from the beginning because we'd known about it for uh, over a decade at that time. That's amazing. That's amazing. And tell us a little bit about your your consulting work and and how all of that got started. What brought you to that? Yeah. Well, my my wife uh, was went to business school and particularly focused on organization, organizational behavior, and organizational change. When I met her, uh, I was doing men's work all over the world doing personal growth, rites of passage uh, training and coaching with men. So she said to me, you know, you could, I can't join you in your men's work, but you could join me uh, in the corporate work. And uh, there's a lot of men who need good coaches. And so that's how I started with, with her. And um, we started Seed Systems in 1996. And Seed originally stood for Sustainable Economic and Ecological Development. It also stood for Spirituality, Environment, education and diversity. Uh, we say it's a, it's a Rorschach test. It means whatever you need it to mean. But we focused on working with companies who wanted to really crack the tough problems around social and environmental sustainability. Our forte is not advice. We don't say, hey, here's the kind of light bulbs you need. Here's, here's uh, you know, the kind of energy saving stuff. Here's the recycling program or the industrial metabolism. No, they already know their industry better than we do. What we come in and do is help them first set an audacious vision. Who do you really want to be in the world? If all the blinders were off, all the fetters were off, who do you really want to be without constraint? If you could have anything. Then we help them map the system that they're in. So, for example, when we worked at Nike, they weren't taking into account the planet or the broader society when they were making their shoes. They were just a bunch of running jocks making running shoes. We helped them to look at the whole system that they were operating in and, and begin to uh, develop their products and so forth based on that system. And, uh, and then once we've got the system established and the vision of where you want to go, then we look at the current reality. Okay, where are you and what have you got? And then we begin to develop a long-term strategy of how you're going to get there. Our goal is to really change the culture in a company, not just get you certified as a B Corp or help you recycle better. If you don't change the fundamental identity and being of who the company is, then when those people are gone, you can go back to the old ways. If you really change the fundamental identity of the company and the culture, then no matter who comes into that company, they're going to be immersed in a culture of, of change and sustainability and, and social responsibility and so forth. So we're not very big on, you know, doing a little training about it. We want to really work with you over the long term to, to create transformational change. I'm curious, too, with that transformational change and doing that deep culture work, 
what are some of the biggest challenges you see companies face and, and how and how do folks move through that? The biggest changes, uh, challenges really are mindsets. Mm. Um, we hosted a conference one time. We thought it was going to be a really great conference. We had Ray Anderson uh, of blessed memory, the former CEO of, of Interface, who was doing all kinds of wonderful stuff uh, in the sustainability realm. We had Peter Senge, who was a guru of organizational change, and we invited about two dozen CEOs of large companies, all a billion dollars and more, and um, everywhere from oil to manufacturing to engineering and so forth. And we thought, we'll get these guys in the room for a couple of days, and, and, and they'll get it. I never saw a room full of more helpless people, uh, you know, holding their hands out with handcuffs. The CEO said, oh, I'd love to, but my shareholders, my stock price, you know, the market, the... Come on, guys, you're supposed to be the, the 900-pound gorillas in your organizations. You can't make change. So we actually started working with line leaders, people who had responsibility within businesses to make stuff happen. In Nike, it was the shoe dogs, you know, the guys who designed and, and, and women who designed and made shoes. It, at Plug Power, it was the engineers who designed the fuel cell systems that they were making. And the biggest challenge is changing people's mental models helping them realize that there are other options than what they uh, have been doing, uh, other options that they can do. Uh, that's the biggest challenge. But once you shift the mental model, you can't go back. It's like seeing the sunrise. You can't unsee that anymore. Uh, once you look at things through a certain lens and get, really get it, you can't go back to the old ways of being. I love that. That's amazing. Uh, circling back a little bit to Maple Mama, you all recently rebranded to um, Samara. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Yes, that's correct, Samara. Can you share with us a little bit about the, the impetus for kind of that rebrand? Yeah, there were a couple of things. When we launched Maple Mama, one of our targets was to have a beverage that was under 100 calories. In the marketplace, that was a, a, a watershed point, and we launched at 70 calories. We thought we were, we were pretty good there. And we had tasted some of the maple waters on the market, and we found them uninspiring. And what we had was a, a, a drink that was sweetened with a little organic maple syrup and then had natural organic fruit juices and organic natural flavorings and things like that. And um, so we knew we had a different, distinct product than anybody else had. But as we hit the market, and people loved it, but as we hit the market, things changed over a period of years. All of a sudden... 100 calories wasn't the threshold anymore. People wanted less than 50. They didn't want to drink their calories. And also the name Maple Mama, believe it or not, began to hurt us in certain markets. People say, oh, that's one of those maple waters. They weren't very good. We're not going to buy that. No, 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 it's not a maple water. It's sweetened with maple syrup. Uh, or they say, oh, is it maple syrup? It must taste like maple. I don't like the flavor of maple. Well, the maple is in the background. It doesn't taste like maple. It tastes like raspberry lime or ginger lemon or whatever the, the flavor was. So... We just had to do a reset, and uh, we created a lighter formula, uh, four, 35, 40 calories, took the name still from the maple tree. Samara is those little whirly gigs that we played with as kids that come out of the maple trees, the little helicopters. Oh, cool. Uh, that's called a Samara. And um, so we, uh, uh, we kept the maple connection, but uh, uh, changed the name to something that wasn't going to turn people off, label us before people had ever tasted the product. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I'm curious too, so with that rebrand and, and B Corp certification, I recently got a question from somebody and I was like, I don't know if I know the answer to that. And I'm, I'm curious if you'll know. When you rebranded, does it impact your B 
Corp assessment in any way? Or is it like, no, you certified and you're and you're in the same business model, so nothing changes? Or, or did you have to adjust anything for the rebrand? Right. It, it didn't change anything because the ingredients were the same. We're still using the same organic ingredients. Uh, our business practices were still the same. Uh, our governance, uh, ethics, et cetera, was all the same. We just rejiggered the formula and, and, and some of the branding. Yeah. Um, if That's anything, cool. as we've gone along, we've, we've actually increased our, um, uh, our B Corp score. For example, at the beginning, we couldn't get organic natural flavors in the, in the, uh, in the flavors that we wanted. We could get organic compliant flavors, but they hadn't themselves been organic, and they were in our product in small enough amounts that we could still be certified organic as a whole product. But we worked on that, and now all of our flavors are also uh, organic uh, natural flavors. That's awesome. So for folks that were huge fans of Maple Mama, will they notice much of a difference with Samara? Or The, the, the difference has been all positive. People say, wow, it's more refreshing. Because <laughs> there's more, less sugar, more water. <laughs> so it's it's uh, not by a big factor, but it, uh, and and we put the fruits forward a little bit more. So it's uh, it's uh, it's it's very refreshing. Think of a seltzer that's actually got some flavor to it, not just a hint somewhere. Like, oh yeah, there might have been a grapefruit somewhere in this sparkling water's history, but uh, it's just barely there. You can really get get the taste of the flavors uh, without it being heavy or too sweet. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, let me just say one more thing about that. I, I'm, I, I'm so proud. We have a product that anybody can give to their children, and there's nothing in there that's bad for your kids. Nothing in there that's bad for your kids. Even maple syrup, yeah, there's some sugar in there, but it's a complex sugar, and it, it's loaded with uh, minerals and vitamins as well and antioxidants in the maple syrup. It's, it's a natural product right from the tree, and... Uh, and uh, I'm proud of that. I'm proud I got something that there's no way this thing can hurt anybody unless one kid picks up a can, maybe throws it at another kid, hits him in the head. But, <laughs> but consuming the product, there's no way for it to be bad. And uh, it's it's and I got five kids and six grandkids. That was important to us. That makes a lot of sense. That's amazing. That's so great. Uh, and and speaking of speaking of that and and family and all of that, I know you've led your business by your values. Uh, can you speak a little bit to, to that and, and leading with, with values through business? It's about integrity. And by integrity, I don't just mean honesty and ethics. I mean like the kind of integrity that, that you're, you hope the building that you live in has. It is integral. It is whole. It is all of the same piece. If I build a business, but there are parts of the business that I really know aren't right, and if I'm not doing something about that, I'm out of integrity. I couldn't run a business that had anything in it that was apart from my values because it would destroy my integrity as a human being. And there's no such thing as a little integrity or a lot of integrity. You either have integrity or you don't. It's like a balloon. You can't put a little hole in a balloon. <laughs> the balloon is there or it's popped. That's what integrity is, is, is about. It's rather binary. It doesn't mean that you have to start a business that's perfect out of the gate. That's very difficult. We still had to ship our product in trucks that use diesel fuel and, 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 and send our people out to do demos in cars that burn gasoline and so forth. And our manufacturing plants weren't run on all solar. That's all something we had, you know, hopes for and we hope to work toward in the, uh, in the future. We put CO2 in our product. So it, it has carbon uh, dioxide in it, which is any sparkling product does. We thought that would be, because of that, we thought that would be something in the long term. We would continuously work to 
reduce and eventually with the goal of eliminating our carbon footprint. And, and in the long run, we even thought we would we have the idea that at some point when we, we can set up a program where we offset twice the carbon footprint of our product. So if you buy a can of Maple Mama, you're actually triggering something that reduces carbon in the, uh, in the atmosphere. Um, that's the kind of thinking we have. So that's what I mean by integrity. It's whole. It's, it's all of one piece. I don't see how people, unless they're very good at compartmentalization, which some people are, you know, can sleep uh, if they've got a problem that they know is a problem in their business and they aren't working on it day and night. And, and, and not to be like those CEOs and say, well, I'd love to, but, and here come the excuses. <laughs> you don't have to be perfect, but you can't refrain from moving toward perfection either. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the, rabbis of the, the rabbis of the Talmud said once, uh, something I love, they said, it is not upon you to complete the work of repairing and healing and restoring the world, but neither may you refrain from it. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, since you have kind of two very different businesses, you have this consulting business and then there's Maple Mama Beverages, Samara, now Samara. Can you share how the experience of kind of certifying between the two went? Was it was one harder than the other? Were they was it super different? Well, they weren't that they weren't that, that different. Uh, Maple Mama was definitely harder because we had stuff and we make stuff, and so I had a whole material, uh, uh, you know, chain of custody and and supply chain that I had to consider and and look at. Seed Systems doesn't make stuff. You know, Sarah and I and, and colleagues that we contract with from time to time, we're the product. You know, we show up and, and do the work. So it, it was easier for Seed Systems to have a light footprint. Um, and, you know, we put solar panels on our home, uh, about seven kilowatts of production. And our offices are above our garage in our home. And we have an electric car. And so, like, right now it's sunny out and the, that car is charging on sunlight, you know, which is kind of cool. So it was easier just to have a small consulting practice. But when Maple Mama, now I've got not only me, but I've got a supply chain. And we were always having that conversation with our suppliers, you know, push their, our natural flavoring supplier to develop an organic natural flavoring for us. We talked to our suppliers about, you know, what's your carbon footprint? What's, what's you know, tell us about how you pay your people and so forth. They were a little surprised. They weren't used to getting that kind of conversation from a company. They just wanted to know about price. But we also want to know about their business practices because we're all in the same system. And that's how us as a tiny beverage company that, you know, 99% of all, all beverage companies fail. And we've been in the market six years, so we already consider ourselves a success. We can still be an influencer no matter how small we are by, by, by having these conversations with our suppliers and, and every other company that we touch. That makes sense. I'm curious to kind of circling, circling back a little bit to talking about some of that consulting work. I'm curious when folks are resistant to change or resistant to that cultural change that you were talking about earlier and and they're saying those things like, but my stock price, but profits, right? Yeah. How do you how, how do you kind of help them through like seeing past just profits? Like how do you kind of like pull those blinders off and say, okay, but there's more here? Or or are there or if there are people that can't see past, are you just like are those just not the people that you work with? Like, how, you know what I mean? Like, I'm so curious, like, where's that line of yep. 
can't help you. And like, yes, here's how you, you know what I mean? If I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yep, 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 absolutely. Uh, the bottom line is you do need to address their concerns because most of the time they are legitimate concerns. They're not just making stuff up. So if people are worried about the employee retention or something like that, or how can I pay my people more and still make a profit? You have to help them see. I'll use a, I'll use a company called Newcore Steel as an example. I, I did a research project on them, and they have a no layoff policy. They don't lay and the steel industry is cyclical, but they don't lay lay people off when 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 the uh, uh, demand is down. They put them to work painting the parking lot, refurbishing the machinery, uh, doing community service, whatever. But they don't get laid off. And guess who has the most loyal, dedicated employees in the world? And then when production comes back online, when the mandates come there, guess who's working their asses off and giving their all for that company and, and uh, very productive employees because they took care of them. So many times, if I'm looking only at price or only at, at this thing or that thing, that's very short-sighted. Think of all the companies who had layoffs, and then their mo- morale just their morale just craters, and then they get into this death spiral. You've seen it with a lot of companies, uh, and big companies too. But if you are taking care of these other things, that that's important. People, you have to show how what you're talking about, how environmental sustainability and social responsibility actually are helping their bottom line, actually are helping their reputation in the community. Take Walmart, for example. Now, Walmart has it half right. Walmart is really on efficiency, and they push their supply chains to be more efficient, use less energy, less materials, recycle more, all that stuff. And that fits with Walmart's DNA about low cost all the time, right? Social part of it. It's diametrically opposed to their DNA. How can you have low cost all the time? when you're paying your people a pittance. That's a problem for for Walmart. Now, if I was Walmart, I'd be agitating for universal health care for everybody. So I didn't have to give my people health care, and then maybe I could afford a little more on this or that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, I'd find a strategy that uh, using my weight as a a mega corporation, I I could help create policies in the the country that that help my people. But they've got a conundrum. Because uh, low price and uh, and uh, low wages, it's tough. It, it, it's like in the days of the quality movement when people thought, oh, you can't have high quality and low cost. You have to have high cost and have high quality. And Toyota and many other manufacturers blew right through that. They showed how, how actually by uh, 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 working very efficiently and so forth, you could lower cost and increase quality at the same time. I think the same is possible with uh, paying people a decent wage. Uh, because, you know, if I'm paid well, most people are going to work their butts off, and they're going to be loyal, and you're going to retain the people and, not, and avoid the cost of having to train new employees. I could go on and on. You look through the whole system, and there's a lot of ripple effects. So I think for, for, when I'm working with a company, my job as the consultant is to help really address what's keeping them awake at night. And if it is their stock price, then show them how a sustainability uh, and there are studies that show this premium sustainability approach, a, a, a high-end, top-of-the-line sustainability approach, actually increases stock price by about 5%. There's been studies on that. Uh, if you do it well, if you do it half-assed, it, it won't make much difference. But if you're doing it well, it actually increases your stock price. Uh, so 
that's how you have to do it. You have to be the solution to the problem that they have. That makes sense. That makes sense. And Very few companies come to us and say, oh, we want to save the world. We want to be nice people. No, that's not what they come to us for. You're also a creative with a background in theater arts, music, and visual arts. I'm curious, how has your creative background influenced the work you're doing now? Oh, it's really the thread through everything I do. Uh, I, I, I First and foremost, I'm an artist. And the way I define an artist is somebody who sees something that doesn't exist or that does exist that could be improved or transformed and then figure out how to get from the current reality to that idealized vision. That, that's art. That's art. Whether you're making a table or a, a, a painting or putting on a, a show or writing a song or building a company that reflects your values. That's art. So that has been the thread through it. Um, and, and again, that's the core process that I use in my own life and my business and that we use in consulting with others. What's your vision? What do you want to have happen? What's your current reality? Okay. And what's the system that you exist in? And where can you find the, the, the cracks and the steps and the loopholes and the and the way to get from here to here. And what, what are the challenges you're going to have to address? And what's the strategy for addressing those challenges? It's not woo-woo magical thinking. You really have to address nitty-gritty challenges. I mean, we worked with plug power for years. That's engineers and fuel <laughs> They have horrific, horrific challenges. But the only way to address them is head-on. And when you've got a vision that you believe in and it's compelling, plug power's vision was all about creating a planet that they could pass safely to future generations. They're building fuel cells because they love children. You know. In fact, there was one engineer we talked to one time, uh, a colleague of mine said, well, why do you care? You're an engineer. What do you care about sustainability and all this stuff? And her eyes teared up. And she said, well, I'm a mom. I'm not just an engineer. I'm a mom. See, that's integrity. I'm a mom and an engineer. And if my work in my engineering is doing something that's going to hurt my kids or my kids' kids down the line, I'm out of integrity. I can't live with that. That's the kind of transformation that we're shooting for in people. That's amazing. I, you know, it, um, it makes me think about a conversation you and I had, uh, I think, recently, maybe a month or so ago, and you started talking about uh, creative tension. And I was curious if you could share with folks some of your thoughts on creative tension. Yeah, well, that's actually what I just defined. Standing in the tension between what I want and what I've got, where I want to be and where I am now, that creates a creative tension because all of a sudden I want to move toward that. I often joke about uh, um, that I don't have projects. Projects have me. Once I I, I imagine something that's compelling, I'm thinking about it at night. I'll give you a a little example. Uh, I built a stone terrace out in the back of my house. And... I found this rock hundreds of yards away on the other side of the woods on the far edge of our property, about a one-ton rock, half buried, but it had a perfectly flat side. And it was a big rock, about three feet by four feet. And I thought, God, that'd make a great bench. It's about 12 inches thick. Great bench on the terrace. How in the world am I going to get that rock from the other side of the woods over here? And that possessed me for weeks. And I started thinking about, all right, I can dig it out. I can use a car jack to get this thing out. I can get it up on timbers. And then I happen to have a tractor. I get the tractor there, and I've got a boom on the tractor. And if I get these straps, I can wrap the straps around it. And if I have to, I can make a wooden sled and drag it over the frozen ground. And I was a man possessed. 
that rock is sitting on my terrace now, <laughs> propped up on three other rocks. That's creative tension. It's when you have a vision that is so compelling that from your current reality, it draws you there. Now, you can release the tension by giving up on your dreams. You know, say I want to transform my body and I want to shed 25 pounds and uh, increase my aerobics. Well, it means I got to go out and run. This is not easy. So I'm, I, I got out and run. But if I get discouraged, I might say, well, I don't need to lose 10, 20 pounds. 10 pounds is good, you know. And and then I could talk myself and say, well, I'm okay the way I am. I'm not in that bad of shape, you know. So you have a choice between what you have and what you want, that creative tension. Either you go for it, you let that pull you toward the goal, and you deal with the obstacles along the way. Or you give up on your dreams and you stay, you know, comfortable maybe. But uh, I always remember the line of Rumi, the, the Persian poet, he says, safety is the ultimate danger. So standing pat, staying safe, staying within our comfort zone, that's deadly. That's deadly. Yes, very, very wise, very wise words there, for sure. I love that. Um, what advice do you have for folks listening that want to utilize business as a force for good? Where, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this, maybe they don't have a business, or maybe they do, maybe they're already on their business journey. Um, where should they Where should they start? Start dreaming. Start dreaming. There's a line from Goethe, the uh, the uh, German poet that I love. He said, whatever you can do or think you can, begin it. Boldness has magic power and genius in it. Starting with a, a, a beautiful dream that, that wouldn't it be wonderful if we had this and this and this. You know, people talk about, well, you can't build castles in the air. Yes, you can. You imagine that castle in the air, and then you work to build the foundation between the ground and that castle. And so it really starts with vision, with dreaming, with, with imagination, with what would you like to have happen, which I say is a radical, revolutionary question. What do you want? Because most of us, and most of us went to the same school, regardless of what geography we grew up in, and we learned in school that, well, you can't always get what you want. You know, the Rolling Stones told us that. And, uh, and well, I only have this much resource, so what can I do with the resources that I have at hand? And... Uh, what can I do with the people I have at hand? And maybe I don't really deserve it. And you know, my, my self-esteem isn't that great. Who am I to try to do that? I'm just a white kid from Wisconsin. You know, who am I to try to dream big? And that limits us, as opposed to staying with that question. What do you want? If you could have anything, if you could write a blank check from the universe, what would you really like to have? And then really flesh that out. Make it granular. You know, okay, make it very particular so you can see every detail as much as possible. And say, okay, how can I get there? Or stand in that. Imagine that you've already achieved it. And look back at yourself in the present time from that future vantage point. And say, oh, this is what that person has to do. They've got to, maybe they've got to get some allies. Maybe they've got to go out and raise capital. Maybe they've got to do a bunch of research. But there's always a next step that you can take to move you closer to that dream. So I, I think that's the first thing. What do you want? Figure that out, what you really want to be doing in your life. I, I've been very blessed. My dad wanted to be a veterinarian, and my grandfather talked him into going into the construction business with him instead because he said, you'll make more money. Well, he did make more money in good years, not so much in lean years, but he always wanted to be a veterinarian, and he didn't follow that dream. 
at the end of his life, he started doing taxidermy, and I, I joked with him. I said, you should go to veterinary school now, and then you could be a veterinarian and a taxidermist, and you could tell people that either way they're going to get their dog back. But, uh, but, but I, learned, I learned from that to follow my dreams. So I've always done stuff in my life that was compelling. You know, acting training, became a body worker and a rolfer and healing bodies, became, worked with men and men's groups and, and so forth, and then began to work with transforming companies, and then starting my own company. And now kind of in my retirement or semi-retirement, I'm going to be building slab tables and doing a little consulting, which just things that are interesting and fun to me. And a lot of the stuff I don't know how to do. I figure it out. I learn. I talk to people, you know. So that's my advice. Start with a big, hairy dream that won't let go of you, one that you cannot get over. And put your shoulder to the wheel, get the allies you need, just keep pushing ahead. You know. And take a rest. At least once a week, take a day off. You know, It's important to play, too. I love that. I love that. It, so it sounds, too, like uh, not to be daunted, right? To, like, persevere. You know... Ben, I'm a few decades older than you, and, and uh, you know, I'm headed, I'm closer to the recycling bin than you are. But it's so important. We have a relatively brief span of time here. How do you want to spend your life, your energy every day? You want to do it something that's driving you down, that makes you unhappy, that's boring, uncompelling? Why not? I mean, wh- why? When it could be wonderful, when it could be just fun every day. I'm not saying that every day Maple Mama is just, wow, rainbows and puppies and just a blast. There's some days I get, you know, all right, I got to do my B Corp assessment this week. All right, I'm on there and I'm, huh, what the hell do they mean by this? And I got to figure it out and so forth. But, but that's okay because I'm doing it in service of that large, large dream. And then when it's done, I'm like, ah, we did it. We're, the, we're, we're you know, one of the first beverage companies to be a B Corp. This is great. You know, so... Yeah, that's what I would say. How are you going to spend your, uh, like, Marie, like Mary Oliver says, how will you spend your one wild and precious life? I love that. I love that. Any other, uh, that's tough to top. Any other parting advice or thoughts you want to leave with folks? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just leave with one more piece, uh, another quote from Rumi that I really love. You can tell I love poetry. I learn a lot from it. And it shows up in my songs. But um, well, two things. I'll give you one of mine. I'll give you one of Rumi's. No matter how hard things on a day-to-day basis, this is my line for my song, one of my songs, there may be bees among the flowers. All but the honey flies away. So once you've accomplished something, you'll have the honey. You won't remember the bee stings anymore. And, and Rumi says, uh, the breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across a threshold where the two worlds meet. That door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep.
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Responsibly Different. If you're wondering where you can get your hands on some refreshing Samara beverages, you can find them at your local Whole Foods, Shaw's, or any other star market, and at many mom and pop and natural food stores throughout the Northeast. I'll also throw a link in the show notes to their website where you can place an order. Uh, And I mentioned at the top of the episode, the New England Build. It will be in person this year on the UNH campus in Durham, New Hampshire on June 15th. Mark your calendars. Early bird tickets will be going on sale in the next few weeks. If you're curious about more information, you can check out the New England Build site. Uh, or you can also stop by responsiblydifferent.com and drop a note in the contact form there that'll enter into my universe and I'll be happy to forward along any information as it becomes available. If you're enjoying this content, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It really does help other folks like yourself find this content. It's all that fun algorithm searching stuff uh, that the, the more folks are tuned in, the easier it is to be found. So it definitely helps us out a bunch and, and we appreciate you doing that. Uh, coming up this month, we have a bonus episode for Earth Day all about climate justice. And then our next regularly scheduled episode is with Ether Diamonds, a certified B Corp that literally makes diamonds out of the carbon in the air. Super cool stuff. Can't wait to share these conversations with you all. Till next time, be responsibly different. This is a production of Deergo Collective. To learn more about Deergo Collective, head on over to deergocollective.com. That's D-I-R-I-G-O collective.com. This episode was hosted and produced by yours truly, Ben Marine. To learn more about Responsibly Different and discover all the other content we have for you, head on over to responsiblydifferent.com.